Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Hey folks, before we get started on this episode, I wanted to really quick just play you a trailer to a new show that I have coming out that's starting next week. This thing's only about four minutes long. Give it a listen, and as soon as it's done, we'll get right into today's episode. Thanks. Here it is, folks. Scratch your head and make your bed. It's time for Event or Else, the podcast where I go through most every major Marvel and DC event, one issue at a time, so you don't have to. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and I'm here to tell you what you can expect from the show and what's coming up in Season 1. First off, I meant what I said. I will be reading most every major Marvel and DC event, and then I'm going to talk about them, one issue at a time, one episode at a time, and each event will be given its own season. Unfortunately, I'm not able to read all of the events, but that's only because I'm reading them digitally through their respective apps, and not all of the events have been digitized, but I'm holding out hope that we'll get them all eventually. Season 1, which starts just next week, kicks off with what most people agree is the event that started it all, Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars. This event was published by Marvel Comics. It ran from May of 1984 to April of 1985, and near as I can tell, has about 34 tie-in issues, some of which weren't even published until 30 years after the event itself. But here's the thing, folks. This show ain't about the tie-ins. I mean, reading through all of the event issues alone may be enough to drive me more than a little insane. Reading all the tie-in issues as well? Good lord, that might just kill me. And frankly, while we're at it, I should probably define what I mean by event. Basically, I'm focusing on the line-wide events like Secret Wars, Crisis on Infinite Earths, Civil War, and Infinite Crisis. In other words, I won't be reading any events focused on a particular title, like X-Men Age of Apocalypse or The Death of Superman. Though, if I'm being honest with myself, I may break that rule every now and again. I should also clarify, these episodes won't be an in-depth study of each issue. I'm no scholar, and I'm not going to pretend that I am. If you want to be taught a lesson, there are some really great shows out there that do just that. But frankly, that's not me. Don't get me wrong, I love those shows, and I'm super jealous that I have neither the mental faculties nor the patience to do all the research needed to create a show like that. I mean, we just have to embrace who we are, and I'm just another fanboy that loves reading and talking about comics. With Event or Else, each episode is going to be about 20 minutes long, and it's going to contain three segments. 
Segment number one is where I tell you what happens in the issue. Segment number two is called Three Things to Dwell On. These are three moments in the book that I feel need to be given just a bit more thought and scrutiny. And then segment number three is the wrap up where I tell you what I thought of the issue. That's it. That's what you can expect, folks. So starting next week, you'll get season one of Event or Else, starting with issue one of Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars. Then for the following 11 weeks, you'll get the next 11 episodes covering the next 11 issues. 12 episodes in all. Season two will cover Crisis on Infinite Earths from DC, and it's going to be 12 episodes. Season three will cover Secret Wars 2 for Marvel, and that's going to be nine episodes and so on, and so on, and so on. The video version of this show can be found on YouTube at the Event or Else channel, while the audio version can be found wherever you get podcasts. So buckle in, folks. Will I make it? Can I read all these books? Or am I going to crack up at some point down the line? Either way, it should make for a fun show. See you next week. The following podcast was recorded and released for the folks over on my Patreon on Friday, March 19th, 2021. If you want to get in on early content, exclusive content, a whole other podcast called My Other Podcast, and all kinds of fun stuff, you can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash Stephen R. Orr and join up for as little as a dollar a month. Until then, as you weigh that decision, as you mull that over in your mind, should I join? Should I not join? I mean, it's only a dollar a month. How bad can it be? You know, as you weigh the pros and cons, why don't you just listen to this episode? But be aware, spoilers ahoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Other Podcast, the secret podcast that's only available to you, my patrons, exclusively to you. Nobody else in the entire world is going to be listening to this show except for you few, you brave few, you loyal few who have banded together to help support me in this little thing that I like to call podcasting. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and I have to admit that I just lied to everybody just now because while my other podcast is exclusive to the patrons, not every episode is. For example, this episode right here. Sure, you guys are getting it on Friday before everybody else. And by you guys, I mean my patrons. But everybody else who listens to just another fanboy who's not a part of the secret club, well, they're going to get it on Tuesday. They just have to wait a few days. And I know for you folks who are over on the Patreon, it's difficult to know that this episode is out there and thinking about folks, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, guys. (laughs) I don't know what I'm trying to say here, ladies and gentlemen, except to tell you that I have done the intro to this episode. This is probably my fifth time through it. I'm really struggling with it, folks, and I don't mind being open with you about it. But I guess what I'm trying to say here is this. My other podcast, if you're a member of my Patreon, you are a elite group of special, awesome, very important people. Because you're getting my other podcast every single Thursday, plus bonus episodes on Friday when we have stuff like WandaVision or 
The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode one, which is what we're going to talk about now. Yes, sure, everybody else is going to get this on Tuesday, but that doesn't make you folks at the Patreon any less special, okay? Because you're getting it early. And everybody else, they got to wait. They got to sit on their hands with something else covering their ears because they can't cover their ears with their hands because they're sitting on them. And they got to rock back and forth gently and weep softly to themselves, knowing that you few, you loyal few, get to hear the show first. Of course, all they got to do is pony up a dollar a month. That's not any big deal. But they choose not to, and that's okay. Not everybody can do that. I get it. I mean, there's a lot of shows I would like to donate a dollar a month to, but I don't because money doesn't grow on trees. You know what? I've talked about this long enough, and so I'm going to stop. I'm just going to nip it in the bud. I'm going to cut it off right there and say, no more talk about this because that's not what we're here for today. We're here to talk about episode number one of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This episode was entitled New World Order. It was about 50 minutes long. Well, it was 50 minutes, but when once you take the credits out, it wasn't quite 50 minutes long. And it was a great big giant ball of fun. I loved the crap out of this episode. So we start out. I don't know that I'm going to give you every single detail of this episode because a lot happens. A lot happens and yet a lot doesn't happen. It's hard to describe. This first episode was kind of a slow burn, but that doesn't mean that it was a, a a slog. It doesn't mean that it was boring. It doesn't mean that there wasn't any action in it because the whole first part of the episode was just full of amazing action sequences. One, well, sequence, I should say. I'm losing it, folks. I'm losing it. So we start out with... Sam Wilson, the Falcon, he's got Captain America's shield. If you remember, if you remember the end of Avengers Endgame, Captain America goes back in time at the end to, to, to take back all the Infinity Stones and then decides while he's back there, while he's got access to this time machine, he's going to get a life and he's going to meet Peggy Carter, the love of his life for that dance that he promised her in the first Captain America movie. And then he just lives his life out following World War II and becomes an old man. And he meets up with Sam Wilson there at the end of Endgame as an old man. And he gives him the shield and he says, here, here you go. You're Captain America now. And Sam Wilson's like, eh, it doesn't really feel like it's my shield. And Cap's like, look, I gave you the shield. Use the shield. Well, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to be our aftermath of that, of that choice of Sam being given this shield and being asked, by Captain America, by Steve Rogers, to take up the mantle of Captain America. So when this episode opens, Sam is in his room, wherever that is. He's got the shield with him. He's putting on a suit and tie. He's putting the shield back into the brown carrying case that Steve had it in when he gave it to him at the end of Endgame. We're not quite sure what he's trying to do here, what he's setting out to do. We're not given a lot of time to think about it. Because suddenly, we're in the back of a big old aeroplane. Sam is in his Falcon outfit. It's different. It's a different outfit that we've seen. It's, it's, it's got some red in it. It's got some white in it. It's more reminiscent of the costume that he wears in the comics. He is being sent on a mission by the Air Force. We find out that he has been working with the Air Force for the past six months since he got back from the blip and helped the Avengers save the world. 
And he's being sent out on this mission. There is a group called the LAF who have kidnapped or they've taken over a a United States Air Force plane and have kidnapped this military liaison and Sam needs to get him back. Apparently, the military can't really quite interfere at this point. The, The plane is on its way to Libya. If they cross that border, there's nothing they can do. And so Sam sets out to get this dude back. And the leader of this group, or at least the leader of this kidnapping, this plane takeover, is Batroc the Leaper. Now, he's an old Captain America villain, and he was in the beginning scene of Captain America Winter Soldier. And he's a French dude. He was a uh, he was like in the French Secret Service, and he's he's a really good fighter. And he gives Cap a run for his money there for a bit in Winter Soldier. But Sam is able to kick his butt. So now Batroc has had his butt kicked by both Captain America and Sam. It's an amazing sequence because Batroc and the boys, they got this guy in the plane and their way out is to, they all put on these flight suits, like these flying squirrel flight suits. I'm sure you've seen them before. People will jump out of planes. They've got material like in the webbing of, of their arms and legs and between their legs and it allows them to fall with style. And they strap this military liaison to one of them. They all jump out of this plane and Sam goes after him. And there's this, this big battle in the sky. It's just, it's quite amazing. I've never been a big fan of people fighting in the air. Uh, usually it's when they're falling, you know, you get a bad guy and a good guy and they fall off a building and they're so into fighting each other that while they're falling to their death, they're battling, they're punching each other as they're falling to their death. I've never been into that. But this flying battle was just, it was amazing. It was very well put together, very well choreographed. And I was on the edge of my seat. Not literally. I like to sit back, but it was a dang fine scene. So I don't remember the exact order of how things fall into place in this episode, but there's a guy that's, that is, he's like the, uh, the boots on the ground for this mission. He works for the military. He is uh, First Lieutenant Torres. And he's kind of, he's he's providing Sam with intel while he's in the air during this battle. He's keeping an eye on it from the ground. He's letting them him know, you know, if he's getting close to the border, all that kind of stuff. Well, I didn't know this without looking it up, but apparently in the comics, there's a guy named Torres who becomes the Falcon. When Sam Wilson becomes Captain America in the comics, this guy becomes the Falcon and becomes Sam's sidekick. So that leads a lot of people into believe a certain theory about the end of this series. And we'll get into that at the end. I will let you know right now up front that this is not going to be one of those shows like WandaVision that's going to have a lot of theories being thrown about as far as who the bad guy is, who's the big bad, is it Mephisto, is it Nightmare? You know, I don't think we're going to see a lot of that in a show like this. This show's fairly straightforward, but there have been a couple of theories bandied about already, and I will talk about that at the end of the show, at the end of the episode. But we have a, a moment after Sam rescues this military liaison. He's in Tunisia with Lieutenant Torres. They are in a little outdoor cafe and they're, they're having a conversation. Torres brings up this group called the Flag Smashers that he's been kind of monitoring over the internet, um, getting some intel on them, and he thinks there's somebody that they need to look into and they need to pay attention to 
They're a group that feel like the world needs to be as it was during the blip and that there should be no more nations. It should just be all one nation, no more borders. And he thinks it's a group that they should keep an eye on. Now, Sam tells him basically, all right, well, you you keep an eye on him. If if there's something actionable that we need to really look into, you let me know. And this Torres guy, he's like really into it. He's just like so excited that he might get a work again with basically with an Avenger, you know, with a freaking superhero. Well, it's at that point that Sam leaves. He's going to Washington, D.C., and he is there to turn Cap's shield over to the Smithsonian. Sam has obviously made his choice. He is not going to be Captain America. And so he turns the shield over. It appears that a a military guy helped him come to this decision uh, because after the ceremony, the guy tells him, you made the right choice, Sam. And that seems like a throwaway line, but we'll, we'll pick that up again by the end of the episode. Rhodey, Jim Rhodes is there, War Machine. Uh, he's not in the suit, but he is, he's a military guy. So he's there and he and Sam have a long talk after the ceremony and he just straight up asks Sam, why didn't you why didn't you accept the mantle? Why are you not Captain America? And Sam's like, I, I just, I can't be. It's just, it's just not me. I'm not, I'm not the symbol that this country needs right now, basically. And so then he goes back home to Louisiana where he's from. And he, he, uh, he goes to see his sister and his two nephews, both of which stuck around during the blip. Sam was one of those that disappeared. His sister and his nephews did not. We learn that his family is in the shrimp boat business and their boat, which is named after their parents, the Paul and Darlene, is half owned by Sam and his sister, Sarah. She has had to keep the business afloat by herself over the five years that Sam was gone. Sam is now back. She has decided over these five years that it's time to sell the boat. It's the boat's not in really good shape. She doesn't have a lot of money. She can't fix the boat up, but, uh, he doesn't want to get rid of it. He doesn't want to sell the business. He owns half of it, and he's come up with a plan to save everything. He he th- he says, you know, if they go into the bank, he can get a loan. There's certain loans that they qualify for. They can fix up the boat. They can charter it out when they're not using it. They can put the money into a, a I I don't know. If, I, I feel like they were talking about maybe a restaurant or a store at something at that point, but. When they go to get the loan, they are completely turned down because he has no credit history for the past five years. You would think, knowing that half the world disappeared for five years, that the bank would look at that and say, well, you, you know, you were affected by the blip. But no, nah, they're they're a bank. Bank, they're, they're, you know, banks are jerks. They don't like to loan money. They like to make money. They don't like to loan money. Well, that's not true. They like to loan money if they know that it's going to make them a lot of money in the end. We also get caught up with, of course, Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier. When we first see him in the show, we are in the middle of a mission of his where he's killing folk. And you think, of course, they they present it to you as if it's happening now. At least that's how I felt. I was watching this going, wait a minute, what happened? Is he back to being the Winter Soldier? Is that what part of this show is about, that somebody took over his programming again or something. No, it was just, it was a nightmare he was having. It was a nightmare about a mission that he had been on a number of years back in the past. We don't know exactly when, but during the mission where he kills some political figures, he assassinates some, he assassinates some key political figures in some country. And uh, there's a, a guy there who just happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And because he witnesses this happening, 
the Winter Soldier has to kill him as well. Well, Bucky wakes up from his dream. He is sleeping on the floor in his apartment. He's still living as if he is a soldier. He's still living as an assassin. He's not quite acclimated himself to regular life. We then see him in a therapy session with a a woman who is an ex-soldier, and she calls him on a lot of his crap. She basically, she asks him, you know, about his nightmare. He says, I'm not having any more nightmares. She says, that's crap. I can tell when you've had a nightmare. He he tells her at some one point, he goes, I just want, I just want peace. And she's like, that's crap. She keeps calling him on it. She's like, I'm a soldier. I've fought in battle. I know what this is like. I know what it's like to be you and have killed people and, and have to live with that. And he doesn't want to open up to her. We learn that he is basically alone. He doesn't have anybody in his life. She takes his phone from him at one point and is looking through the history. And she says, you know, Sam has texted you five or six times over the past few days. You haven't answered any of his texts. The only person you've talked to on the phone, the only person you've texted or called over the last week is me. And that's really sad. You need to have somebody in your life. We find out that he has made a list of names of people that he has wronged in the past when he was the Winter Soldier and he's trying to make amends. And he talks about one of them. He he says that he he crossed off one of the names on his list. It was a, a, a senator. She was a Hydra pawn that he helped get elected. And now that Hydra is no more, she's still a senator and she's abusing her power. He basically says she's abusing the position that I put her in. So I had to put a stop to it. And he has three rules that she requires him to follow when he is crossing these names off of this list, when he is making amends. And now I'm now I'm trying to remember exactly what they are. One is whatever he does to make amends, it can't be illegal. Two, he can't hurt anybody. And three, he has to tell them there's like a little speech. My name is my name is James Buchanan Barnes. I am no longer the Winter Soldier uh, I am making amends or something like that to these people. And he basically, he breaks two of those rules. What he does is illegal because he breaks into this woman's car and he puts a wiretap in it. And then he, uh, she, she's in the car talking to a guy who's basically a hitman, and she's telling him to take out somebody and Bucky opens up the door and punches him in the face. And so then he hurts somebody, but um, he's able to cross her name off the list because then he gives the evidence to the authorities and they arrest her and blah, 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 and all that stuff. Well, we also see him hook up with this old Asian man who he has been going to lunch with for however long. He makes a comment, all right, we're, we, you know, we're supposed to go to lunch again today. We go to lunch every day or something like that. And, and uh, this guy, he, he's an old man. He's a senior citizen. And I thought at first that he was maybe somebody that Bucky uh, served with in World War II. And he may be, I don't, I don't know. They, they, they haven't quite clarified that part of it, but we do find out that one of the, he's, he's on his list. His name is Nakajima and it was his son that Bucky killed when he was the winter soldier. We saw that flashback where he took out the, these, this political dude and his, his armed guards and whatnot. And then the one guy that was in the hotel that shouldn't have been there, the innocent guy that Bucky had to kill for witnessing it. That was this Nakajima guy's son. And he's carrying all this guilt. He, this guy is at the top of his list. This is the guy that he, he wants to make amends to. And he hasn't quite figured out how, uh, he goes out on a date at one point during the episode and he's very awkward about it. And then we learn at the end of the episode. Well, actually, before we get to the end of the episode, first Lieutenant Torres 
takes it upon himself to do a little more field work instead of uh, investigating these this flag smasher group by using the Internet. He goes and he he does a little field work and he he basically learns of some kind of like it's not quite a rally. It's almost like a flash mob situation that they've put together. And he shows up. There's all these other people there. He's asking somebody, do you know what we're supposed to do? And some woman starts handing out these masks. They're like these black hockey masks with these red handprints on them. And he's still not quite sure what they're supposed to be doing there. When suddenly there's, I think it was an explosion and basically the bank is being robbed. They're somewhere like there's, I think they're in Switzerland, the bank, you're out in front of a bank and it's being robbed. And a guy comes out wearing one of these masks and he's carrying two big bags of money. And they all get this alert on their phone that tells them to run. And that's their job there that day. They're, they are causing confusion. So when the security guards and the police come to chase this guy, they're looking for a guy in a freaking red mask who's wearing black. And well, everybody is wearing one of these masks and they're all in black and they're all running and it's causing confusion. And Torres at one point confronts the dude that has taken this money and the guy beats him up. And we find out that this guy has superhuman strength. He gives this information to Sam. And at one point, they're they're basically talking about it through like a Skype call and he's showing Sam the because because he had his phone in his pocket with the the camera lens pointed out. So he got all this on on video. And when he points out when Sam sees that this bad guy who they're assuming at this point is the leader. And there's a moment when Torres is saying, you know, Sam's like, well, he obviously is very strong. And Torres says, you don't think that he's and they pause for a second and. Sam, Sam basically tells him he'll talk to him about it later, but we don't know if what he's trying to say is, uh, is, is this, could this be the winter soldier? You know, that maybe it's Bucky. Uh, we don't know. We don't know if Sam at this point is still distrustful of Bucky or not. Well, at that point, his sister comes in and she tells him, you know, you got to watch this. And she turns on the TV and there's a press conference. Well, the military guy, apparently he was like, he's like the, well, He's like the secretary of defense or something. I, I don't remember who he was exactly. But the guy who was talking to Sam at the beginning of the show that told him he made the right decision in turning over the shield to the Smithsonian, he is holding a press conference and he is introducing the country to the new Captain America. And this guy comes out and he's got the freaking shield. And Sam is visibly upset because obviously he has been played by this guy who only wanted him to turn over the shield because they had plans to unveil this dude as the new Captain America. And a guy comes out and he's wearing a version of the Captain America outfit and he waves and winks at the camera. And that's kind of where the episode ends. And those of us who are in the know, (laughs) I say that like we're elite people or something. But those of us who have read the comic books or who have read the websites and all that junk, we know that this guy who is the new Captain America is John Walker. Now, he used to be uh, a character in the comic books. He was a guy, a supervillain called the Super Patriot, who eventually started to work for the government. There was a period in the 80s, late 80s, maybe, when Captain America decided, well, Steve Rogers decided he couldn't be Captain America anymore. He could not be that person because the government was trying to control him as Captain America. And so he threw down the shield and he took off the costume and he started wearing a like a black and red version 
of the Captain America. Kind of, it wasn't the same Captain America outfit, but it was a it was a black version. And then the government took this guy, John Walker, who was the Super Patriot, and put him in the Captain America costume, and he became. Captain America for a while. You found out in the comics, of course, everybody found out that was a bad decision because he went a little crazy and killed some folks and everything. And Steve had to take him out. And then Steve became Captain America again. And then John Walker took the costume that Steve was wearing when he wasn't Captain America. And he started wearing it and he became a character named U.S. Agent. And he was a member of the the West Coast Avengers and, and junk. And anyway, He's the guy who's who's the new Captain America now in this show. And that kind of leads to the first theory that I've read so far. And it's not all that far fetched. And it's one of those theories that I I hope turns out to be true. And the the theory is at this point is that the, the purpose behind these six episodes is that by the end of it, Sam Wilson will become Captain America. He will have to that that John Walker, the guy who is currently the new Captain America now, will go bad like he did in the comic books and Sam and Bucky will have to stop him. But Sam Sam will then become the new Captain America by the end of the show and then this Lieutenant Torres guy will become the new Falcon. And I hope that's what happens because I think that's a really good idea. I was really looking forward to seeing Sam as the new Captain America ever since Cap gave him the shield there at the end of Endgame. The other theory that that's going around right now is this idea that um, this guy in the Flag Smashers has super strength. Well, because it's obvious that the government had this guy, John Walker, ready to go as Captain America, it's it's not something that, that you just do quickly. You don't just go, hey, we got the shield back. Let's find a guy within the next day or two to become the new Captain America. No, this guy's been training for a while. We're going to assume he has super strength, which probably means that the government is is back to doing or is uh, trying to recreate the whole super soldier program. And maybe this dude from the Flag Smashers was part of that at one point. And that's why he has super strength. There was a thing going on in the comic books at the time when when John Walker became the super patriot or he because he ends up with super strength. He gets it from a dude in the comic books at the time who was called the power broker. Now, there was this really awesome thing, this really awesome idea that was happening in the comics at that point that uh, the thing was involved in. And it was a it was a professional wrestling program. But it was, I don't remember exactly what it was called, but it was people with superpowers, more notably super strength, that would that would participate in this professional wrestling program. And the thing was one of them. And most of these folks got their powers. From what I remember, I might be just mixing up two stories, frankly. But I feel like a lot of these people that got these this super strength to participate in this wrestling program, they got that from this guy called the Power Broker. Now, I doubt they're going to in they're they're going to put all that into this show, but the theory is is that there that the the government has rebooted the Super Soldier program and that maybe something has gone wrong with it, and some people have defected and in in all this stuff and but we'll we'll see. We'll find out. I mean, this is not here's the thing. The natural tendency here is to try to compare this show to WandaVision. WandaVision is the first Disney Plus Marvel TV show. This is the second one. Um, But 
WandaVision was a much smaller, more personal story. This is a more, this seems more grand and epic. This is more of a, we're, we're telling this story on the world stage, whereas WandaVision was, was, you know, centered in, in a little town in New Jersey. Um, I think the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to be fairly straightforward. It's going to be, it's not going to be full of a bunch of mysteries that we're going to have to try to guess and look for clues and all that stuff. This is just a straight up espionage type of thriller, you know, military type show. And, and so far this first episode was a heck of a lot of fun. And I'm really looking forward to the next episode. This is one of these, these shows. I was really kind of happy that we weren't getting every episode of WandaVision all at the same time like they do over at Netflix, because I think a show like that has to be doled out once a week, you know, to really enjoy that whole mystery aspect of it. But this is one of those shows, The Falcon and Winter Soldier, I kind of wish all six episodes were already up at this point, because I'm ready to get this freaking show just binge-watched. Now, two things we did not get in this episode. First, we didn't get The Falcon and The Winter Soldier in the same room in this episode at all. They have not talked to each other. They have not met. I mean, of course, they know each other, but they did not have any kind of communication or any scenes together at all in this episode. I'm assuming they're going to get together in the next episode. I don't know what circumstances will bring them together, but I feel like it's going to be this whole business with the Flag Smashers. And I don't know, I kind of think that because as the Winter Soldier... Bucky might have some ties to these types of groups, you know, terrorist groups or paramilitary groups, shadow groups. And maybe Sam needs him, whether it's advice or help or something to get to these guys to take him out or something. I don't know. That's just again, it's just a guess. Doesn't really matter. You should also know if you're not aware that the Flag Smashers in the comic books, it's just one guy. It's just one guy called the Flag Smasher. And I can't remember his actual name, but from what I've read, the the actual leader of the group, it's a woman, and she basically has the female version of his name, the guy who was in the comic book who was Flag Smasher. So anyway, that's the first episode. It was freaking good. I can't wait for the next one. This is, I think, going to be an amazing series. And if it does end with Sam being Captain America, I think that's just... I think that's just all for the better. I think that's going to be great. I know that at, originally in the comic books, Bucky ended up being Captain America before Sam. But I would really love to see Sam become Captain America. I tell you what, Sam, just in that first scene of him taking out the LAF with Batrock and, and all that, he really, he really shone in that scene. He showed just how much of a BA he was and how how capable he is. I mean, they show that in the movies, but this was really more of a spotlight on him. And I was really happy to see it because I mean, ultimately in the end, when you think about certain characters like that, you think about just the very basics and it's like, okay, it's a guy with wings and he can fly. What's so cool about that? And there's so much that he can do. There's so much tech he has just with these wings and his little partner, Red Wing, the little drone that's a part of the wings that can fly off and he can control it and everything. It's, it's really cool. It's a, he's a, he's, he's one of these characters that I always thought was kind of fun in the movies, but I'm starting to gain just from this episode an even greater appreciation for him. And I'm looking forward 
to see and more. How about you? Tell me what you thought. You can leave comments over there on the Patreon or over on the Facebook or just send me an email at feedback at stephenorelse.com. Until then, that's it. I'm out. I'm spent. I'm done. Talk to you later. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.